And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling Mean and angry Hear those co-hosts shouting It's Dana and Jay all right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Ground is presented by Visa, a network working for everyone. Paul Diener Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic here working for you. Jay, back to work, trudging back to work. I'm just hoping your ears still work after uh, being shattered by Seether. And <laughs> who else? Who, who else would be? I mean, Megadeth. Miss them. Um, I mean, I'm sure all of the above. Nine Inch Nails, Five Finger Death Punch. So much death involved in these names of these <laughs> you know, bands w- that you like. The the greater, um, I don't know what you would say. The, 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 the worst thing for my ears at a concert is not the band. It's my wife. She has this wow. ear-piercing whistle. And she she brings it out a lot. And if I know it's coming, I can lean back, I can lean forward, I can, I can cut my ear. If if I don't do that, it, I mean, it leaves them ringing. Um, so I tend to in these festival situations where it's it's uh, no seats and you just stand and you just pack in there. I tend to stand behind her instead of next to her, and, and that alleviates some of the pain. But yeah, it was a great time. Lots of lots of great bands uh, came away with it with uh, some massive blisters, some sun poisoning, but no dehydration. I was I was very responsible and drank a ton of water and waited till late in the evening to to tap into the beer. I've I've gotten smarter in my old age. The Jay Morrison PSA for all you <laughs> festival goers out there, looking out for everyone. Jay, as always, uh, we've got a bunch of different stuff to get to today. Um, we had the second week of our open OTAs where we watched a hour. Pra- Should we, can we even call it a practice? It's a, like a workout, basically. I mean, yeah. guys are out there. Technically, there's some throwing of the football, but there's just a lot of running, individual work, stuff against air. There's no against anybody happening. Uh, so it's really kind of a weird thing to judge. Um, but that happened yesterday and it was followed by an open locker room. Uh, so there's some observations to be made there and, and some news to come from that. The, the, the OTAs are kind of like Reds games these days where it's going on and you're there, but you're not really locked in and paying full attention. It's just kind of a background situation because you're right. There's not, there's not a whole lot happening beyond just a workout yeah no i mean these are really good for chatting with people uh and 
you know, catching up with people organizationally and, and mm-hmm. things like that and players. Um, it, that's what this has been, you know, really good for. And you get it and you take attendance, you get a look at who's there, who's not. Yeah, you're watching. I mean, you certainly have things that you focus on from day to day and you keep an eye on. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I had very important people inside the organization point out no one's gaining anything from this. Like this, this is like this is about who's here, who's breathing, you know, doing the right things, showing up on time, showing that they're getting some conditioning in and staying healthy and, you know, all that stuff. Um if if people are making grand evaluations based off these 1-hour walk through workouts, um y- you can make small evaluations and observations, but, uh, you know, these aren't game changers. Uh, but we've still got some news to get to. Um, we're going to run through uh, a few of the news elements, which include Alex Kappa, uh, joint practices that are going to happen with the Rams. I'm going to have a conversation with you that I had with Joseph Osai, catching up with him as he tries to come back from injury and the second procedure that he had to have that kind of pushed his timeline back a little bit, but all still seems to be well with air. So you'll hear from Joseph here himself. Um, and I caught up with him in the open locker room. Thank you, Bengals and NFL mm-hmm. again, uh, as the open locker room was a very nice thing to be a part of, to be able to do things like bring you a conversation with Joseph Osai. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the latest as the world turns of Jesse Bates, because I guess we have to do that every week. We'll talk a little bit about what happened with Jackson Carmen and his discussion in the locker room yesterday. Uh, Jay's got O-line stats. Um, Mo will come in, join us. He had his big party, his big 15th anniversary of his show, 27th birthday for his producer, Austin Elmore, and uh, other reasons to make up to go enjoy a beautiful Tuesday at Great American Ballpark <laughs> on $3 beers and Happy to say that I did. It was a great time had by all. Uh, Mo will come in and join us. Uh, and then we'll have some reader run passer boots. You guys showed up and dropped some good run passer boots for us. So we will answer some of your questions at the end. And I'll have some more of the questions that people have dropped in in the mailbag later in the week. Uh, little tease. We have picked, I believe we've picked our throwback game podcast that we're going to do this year. I'm very excited about it uh, as we, we like to do one every year and kind of once we get into this dead period in June and July and uh, we've done, we did the last time they won a playoff game which featured the creepy white van parked in the end zone. Uh, we did the Corey Dillon rookie rec- record game in 1997 um, and so we, we've kind of done these uh, over the years um, and what comes of it, I think, is interesting is you you end up with discussions about forgotten seasons in a lot of ways. And I think that's what we've stumbled, I don't know if stumbled upon is the right word, but figured out as a good one here. Because as you you turn to Joe Burrow and the Joe Burrow era, I think more and more the 11 to 15 run is kind of become a thing of the past and and something that's out of people's minds anymore. Bengals host the Broncos on Monday Night Football in 2014. They beat Penny Peyton Manning, a season that is forgotten in the big picture of that incredible run of 11 to 15, but arguably maybe was their best team, just totally beset by injuries, arguably Marvin Lewis's best coaching job to even get them to that point. You had new Hugh Jackson, you had Dalton 
figuring things out. You had a lot of interesting parts about that season, which included Andy Dalton 2.0 and some of his best football. And then you had the end of Peyton Manning, arguably, uh, in a lot of ways that started right there. And a Draker Pactic pick six and the Bengals and Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis finally overcome the primetime thing and get what at that point I think you could make a, a strong argument was the, the biggest win at that point in Paul Brown Stadium history. There's a lot happening there, a lot to dissect. The game is super interesting and entertaining, and it had a lot to say about, I think, a, a forgotten season. So excited that we're going to dive into that. Um, myself, Jay, Mo, and Dan Horde is going to join us, which I'm very excited about because he was loving the idea, and so he's hop going to hop on. And we may have some other special guests for you that are in the works. We'll get to that later this month, but just wanted to let you know we have that going on. Also, fun stuff ahead in our off-season series. A new one, a new take on the off-season series. We usually do four episodes every year that are something a little bit off the beaten path. This is kind of on the beaten path, but in a different way, and I am really excited about the people that are – that are also excited about the concept, people inside the Bengals organization. I think it's going to be great. I think you're going to love it. And I'm not going to tease it any more than that, other than to tell you that it's going to be really cool. And we're going to start knocking those out soon. And those will be coming your way uh, next month as we get into June and July. So all that coming your way. That's our tease. I, yeah, I'm not going to say anything more about those, that series, but the, the, the rewatch I'm excited about because it's, it's, for me, it almost feels like it's going to be a watch because those primetime games, when you're writing for a newspaper and on deadline, you're, you're writing more than you're watching. And I, and I, I remember there's a couple plays specific. You mentioned the Dre pick six. There's, there's a couple other plays in that game that, that really stand out. But I have a feeling there's going to be, uh, a whole lot of oh yeah forgot about this oh yeah forgot about that so I'm I'm really looking forward to diving into that game and and dissecting it because it was it it's funny because you mentioned it it was arguably the, the the biggest win at Paul Brown Stadium at that time and it 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 brought back memories of that first Monday night game when they beat the Broncos on Monday Night Football and the 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 first primetime win of Marvin's tenure um, and then you know 2015 they played the Broncos on Monday night and that's the game that was for the number one seed and AJ McCarron almost beat him. Um, so a lot of history there with Bengals Broncos on Monday night. I I remember it rained. I remember the Dre pick six and a couple other things, but most of that game is a blur in my memory. Uh, it won't be after that. So excited about that. Let's dive into some news, Jay. Uh, Alex Kappa has a core muscle deal. Is what it was called by Zach Taylor yesterday. And he said, you know, a couple of they're not concerned that it's going to be uh, a long thing or a serious issue, but he's being evaluated in a couple of weeks. I mean, to me, as as cautious as they've been and as little as they've been concerned about actually practicing, it would be a stunning turn of events if we saw Alex Kappa doing anything before training camp. Get that right. Make sure you're good. Show up at camp. See you then, Cap, and uh, call it a day. I still don't like any of the words involved in the description. I don't like core muscle. I don't like deal. I don't like the word evaluate. I don't like a couple of weeks. It feels like we don't – the word evaluate stands out to me. Like a a lot of those words, though, made me a little uncomfortable, although you got to take his word word at this point because, you know, that's – they're saying they're not – concerned about it being a big deal yeah deal was a was a strange word choice i just think he didn't (laughs) want to call it an injury at this point and yeah and and, you know thing even can i don't know i just i think what you would call it i mean maybe uh 
Dealio, issue. Oh, I thought would have been nice. Ish, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, deal was a, a strange word there to use. But um, I, I agree. I, I don't. I don't think there's any reason to for there to be great concern. And it's it's not. It, it yes, you would like to get him acclimated to the to the line specifically in the offense and in, in the broader scheme of things but that that's all for training camp um we've already mentioned that these otas there's not a whole lot going on and it gives it gives a guy like hakeem adenogy to get more reps with the new guys and um any anytime you can get those younger guys some more time on the line you you figure you're gonna have to count on them at some point in the season so it's 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 not all bad it's 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 just being cautious. And, um, I, I think Zach has been pretty upfront with us about injuries in the past. I, I wouldn't put too much concern on this one. I mean, there's been times, uh, where it's gone on, but not typically this time of year. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, and we'll see again, that we'll see if it plays out and it ends up being more serious than we thought. Um, that can happen. Um, but I, I, to, to specifically say we're not concerned about it being serious, um, you didn't have to say that. And so the idea of saying that, I think, suggests that you take him at his word for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, again, I still don't like it, a lot of those terms that were used. Um, the Bengals are going to have joint practices with the Rams. Um, you know, I, I was told this last week, and uh, one thing that I found f- hilarious about it was uh, these were done the, – the Rams contacted the Bengals. So Sean McVay calls up and says, let's do some joint practices, uh, you know, and we'll get get, get us on the preseason schedule. And I, there was a corner of thought, uh, uh, where exactly? You think we're coming to L.A.? And he's like, no, no, we'll come to you. Like, really? You'll come to us? Okay, fine. Sounds good. We'll just stay here and you guys can come practice us. Uh, one condition, no Aaron Donald. Absolutely not. <laughs> Aaron Donald cannot and will not participate in this. We're not going to go against him. We're not going to try to block him. I'm not going to watch him chase down Joe Burrow in practice. We're just not doing that. And so uh, I, now I don't know how much that was in jest, <laughs> how much that was serious. But apparently, uh, you know, McVeigh said that that's actually something that they get quite often is people that they do joint practices saying, uh, yeah, can you limit Donald's engagement, please? <laughs> and, and you think about the, the that game itself, the, the third game is now kind of the the quote unquote dress rehearsal. It's that's even changed already. Um, there, I'd be surprised if you see any starters uh, play in that game last year. That was the only, the only time we saw Joe Burrow in the preseason. And oh. that, that whole, that whole starting offense played three snaps and they were out. The, the, the starting defense did not play at all. I think if you're getting excited about a preseason Super Bowl rematch, I'm not trying to, shut down ticket sales here, but you're not going to see any starters in that game. The, the practices, if they do them on the practice field, fill the bridge, that's when you'll get your look at the starters. Oh, those practices are going to be great. And and yeah. I've always loved joint practices. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, very, they're highly entertaining from a watch standpoint. So assuming that we're back to a situation where fans are allowed back to those practices, they will be big time bang for your buck, which is no buck uh, and uh, to go watch because you get one-on-ones all over the field. That's really the dress rehearsal element of guys testing themselves uh, before big, before they they really get started in the season. That will kind of be it. It'll be the most, the hardest, most intense work that they do all camp. Um, And you've got the defending Super Bowl champions, the Super Bowl rematch, one-on-ones of that Super Bowl happening all over the place. Um, 
uh, that is going to be really great. It's going to be good work for everybody. It's going to be high entertainment for us. Uh, you know, and, and it's obviously a match. I mean, you can see why the Rams were interested in this. They know how they practice. They know the type of stuff they do. They like, you know, it feels like they're going up against themselves, but obviously, you know, the tests for the skill position players, all of that stuff is going to be, uh, some high, high end, you know, dress rehearsal, so to speak, in, in the safe environment. And, and there's going to be a lot of trust going both ways and how the practices will unfold and what they value as far as how they can go down. The Bengals had a lot of suitors this year for potential joint practices, but none of them really made sense until the Rams called. And so they decided to go ahead and do it, I think partially because they were willing to come here, mostly probably because they were willing to come here. It becomes less of a deal. Uh, but yeah, you won't see a soul. Uh, that matters in, in, that third playoff, in that third preseason game. Uh, that's just not, that's what that's going to be. That's what that's going to be going forward. I think the way they view it, uh, but a lot of fun. I'm excited that, that this ended up happening. I mean, when's the last time a Ram, uh, a Super Bowl rematch had joint practices together? I mean, talk about a rarity. I mean, maybe it has happened. I'd have to think about it, but uh, just kind of a wild scenario. I mean, I, I think it's rare that, that, Super Bowl rematches happen in the preseason anyhow, which is when you would get a joint practice. So yeah, I, I, I doubt it's ever happened. I can't say that for sure. You'd have to go back and look, but, um, this is, it is really rare. And, um, I don't know, get, get ready. I, I think it's gonna be fun to watch that Eli Apple Cooper cup rematch on the one-on-ones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's move to Joseph Osai. So I had a chance to catch up with uh, with Osai. So <laughs> he had a. We talked about this last week with Skinny. Um, you know, he had a second procedure um, that kind of pushed him back, but he said he's still going to be good to go. Um, they had to take a screw out, um, and, and so the hope is that he's still going to be good to go. He's still just working out on the side though. He said he was able to get in and do some kind of work on air a little bit. Um, so you'll hear some of that in my conversation here with him, but I, I just wanted to kind of let you hear it from him. One, you know, one takeaway before you start something to kind of keep an eye on is, is the common theme is man. He, uh, he really feels like he needs to go earn it. And, uh, he, he's certainly not the type that's going to be sitting that w- was sitting there watching himself look awesome in his preseason game against Tampa Bay over and over again and think he's made it. So uh, I thought that was a, an interesting takeaway of my conversation. So here's here's my chat in open locker room yesterday uh, with Bengals third round pick from last year who only played in the preseason against Tampa Bay, 
uh, Joseph Osai. Has this been a uh, fun time, stressful time? Are you just like, get me the heck back on the field time? Uh, all in one, all yeah. in one, but I'm appreciating the process for sure because you know, it's been a long way, a long yeah. way back. So uh, there's good and bad, and you have to learn to look at both. So that's what I'm doing right now. I mean, last year I'm assuming it was real tough. Yes, sir. For sure. <laughs> how did you cope? I mean, like, how did you work your way through it? Was it like. Uh, Honestly, the people around me, for sure. Um, usually when stuff like this happens to me, not nothing like this has ever happened to me, but usually when I go through a rough patch, uh, people around me and my family, because they're so close, being yeah. in Texas, but I had to look at my teammates for, for some comfort last year. Um, you know, one of the guys sitting right next to me, Mr. C.S. Ample right here. Yeah. You feel me? <laughs> so uh, that little um, freshman rookie group plus collegial, Khalid, Kareem. Yeah. So um, that was just the people, the people around me keeping my spirits up and then honestly being around the guys every day helped me yeah. cope through it for sure. What did you, you know, you work with Nick, I'm sure. Kind yes, of sir. I mean, a lot of, I've written about it and know Nick real well. I mean, yeah. a lot of people rave about that experience. What, what was that? How did he help you? How, what was that like That's my guy. That's my guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he definitely was in there with me day in and day out. Getting better. Some days we were we were we were ahead of schedule. Some days, you know, some things happened and we fell behind. But ultimately, he kept me up, um, rehabbed the knee very well, on the way of rehabbing that wrist and getting me back in back in time to play. So it, it was great. And he's a he's a great guy to be around. Fun, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, definitely likes to, to mess with me a lot. That's our little relationship. But when it's time to work, we yeah. put our heads down and we work. I mean, you had maybe the greatest preseason game in the history of modern football. <laughs> it's like, it was like, it's like, it's, it was that preseason Lawrence Taylor? Like, you know, it just seemed like you had a great game. But you had a great game. Yeah, I appreciate that. But um, Does that make it even harder? Like, of course, right? Definitely you know? a lot of pressure. But um, that's when you start listening to outside noise is when you feel that pressure. But to me... What I went into playing that game was that I was just trying to be the best version of myself, and I think that's what I'm going to go to. That's what I'm going to take going into the other games. And um, um, expectations are not. At, at, at the end of the day, we have to win, and that's my goal: to do whatever I can to help the team win. So that's 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 where I'll be. You yeah, know what I mean, for sure. I mean, it's got to make give you confidence, even though it was one game, a very yeah. small sample size in the preseason. Yeah. You had to come out of that feeling like, well, I feel like I know I can play in this league. Yeah, right? definitely, but I've also been away from the game for a year, so there's still a lot of um, regrowing to do. Yeah. And I have a great coach in Coach Hodbury. There's, there's a lot of, yeah, like, there's a lot of growing up to do still, and I got a great group of vets. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to show me the way. I got a great coach, so I feel like I'll be able to pick that up back up pretty easily. Uh, they'll definitely help in that, so yeah. I'm very excited to be honest. Yeah. What's uh, what's your off season? What you, where are you going through now? You're still working out on the side. Obviously. Yeah, working I mean, on the side. Getting, feel like you're getting closer. Or? Yeah, definitely. Coach, I was able to hop in a couple, a few. You know what I mean? Yeah. Drills on air. You know what I mean? Not hitting anything, but uh, we have a great plan, and I'm ready. I'm focused. <laughs> Coach said you had to have like a second thing to kind of help the process, second procedure or something. Was yeah. that just? I imagine that's like another thing. Like, do I really have to? do this but you just it was just kind of yeah yeah it was a it was a thing that had procedure that had to be done but it wasn't 
it wasn't anything that bumped me too far off my recovery process. Yeah. You know I mean, they just had to go in there and take a screw out. But apart from that, that was it. I mean, people think you're going to be really good, you know. Ah, uh, man, it doesn't matter what they think. You feel me? I got to work for that. I got to work for that, for but, sure. But that matter, I mean, they, seem, they are counting on you. know, that's got to be a confidence, because I imagine, right? Yeah. You know, the coaches are sort of like, hey, we, the spot's here for you if yeah. you can come and take it, right? And that's that's the key. You gotta go take it. Yeah. And that's what I intend on doing. You, you feel me? You gotta. Nothing's gonna be handed to you just because people expect things from you, mm-hmm. or just because you had a good game. Nothing's gonna be handed. So yeah. I still gotta go out there and compete. You know, I gotta. We have a great room full of guys who can rush the block passer, mm-hmm. and hopefully, hopefully I'll do enough to to ensure the coaches and my teammates that they can trust me to have that position. Yeah. Yes, sir. What was the uh, what was the part of your rehab where you finally felt? Hell yeah, I feel good. Like I'm, I feel like I'm through the hard part. Or what was the I guess maybe what was the hardest part? Then? We're still we're still working through that, man. You know, yeah, it's, it's not it's there gradual. Yet. It's gradual for yeah. sure. It's gradual. I guess um, the first time I hit a sled with my hands and you know what I mean, yeah. put the helmet on would definitely be a. Uh, a checkpoint for me, but you know it's all gradual, and we're getting there for yeah. sure. Will you stay here uh, in like July or June, or um, you have somebody you work with? Yeah, um, I think I'm gonna go back because I gotta um, spend some time with my family. You know, my mom's getting a little bit older, mm-hmm. so I would like to spend some time with her. I get to see her a lot before I get locked into that season. You know, because yeah. season starts. You feel me? I'm, I'm go go go. <laughs> all right, great, great to catch up with with uh, with Joe Osai. I mean, he's a uh, He's obviously a pretty upbeat, you know, down-to-earth centered dude. And uh, you, you saw a glimpse. And, and there's this thought of, man, he, he really could be great. I mean, the the glimpse that you got last year, you thought, you know what? He really, he might actually end up being great. Um, and a guy who's a perfect fit for that third edge role that they really need to fill. But, and I think he kind of says it, like, he's got to go take it. You just don't know. I mean, he he still has a whole lot to prove um, that that he can go do it. As cool as it was to watch, as much support as he felt from his teammates um, along the way, he knows that the time is going to be now for him to go take that job and prove that he can do it, even if he did gain a little bit of confidence on the way that he did it against Tampa last year. I, I noticed that you made a beeline for him as soon as we got in the Target locker one. room. Yeah, yes. target one. And it was it was funny because I he was sitting there talking to BJ Hill and there was I, I heard some laughter between you guys. Mm-hmm. Did did BJ think you were coming to talk to him? And he's like, Oh, you want to talk to this? No, guy? I took no. his chair. I oh. asked. <laughs> Joseph Osai said, Take his chair. And I was like, cause I said, Can I can I sit down over here? Because there were a bunch of empty chairs, including people that weren't even at their locker. And he goes, No, take his chair, take BJ's chair. And BJ kind of looked at me like, What looked at him, you know, like, why you mean take my chair? Because he was sitting actually in the locker, like in the locker locker. And uh, and so it was just it was kind of funny. BJ's a good dude and uh, was kind of played played along with that. And yeah, that was uh, I wasn't because last last week I wanted to talk to him, too. And Mm. he just he wasn't in there. I think he left or whatever was going on. And I was like, I'm not. I had gotten in there early. I had I had walked in. I'd walked in with Lou Anarumo, and we and so we came in before almost any of the reporters did. And I looked, and he was sitting there. So I was like, 
let's go and make sure we get this because I really wanted to talk to him uh, about how his rehab was going and and just kind of hear his thoughts on where he's at and where that his expectations for this year because I think there's a you know there's a lot of thoughts on he's a wide range like when I go back to last mm-hmm. year and we talked a lot about how wide the possible expectations were for the Bengals for Joe Burrow's season arc what was it going to look like because it had this missing step from you know the end of that his injury season i feel the same way about joseph osai like the the range of what he could be is so high just from the one sample size that we saw like he he really could be great or that could have just been a preseason flash of the pan and he could be a totally ordinary third round pick or a bust or anything like we don't mm-hmm. we, we we really don't know it's such a wide range of possible outcomes but last year opened up the possibility that he could come in and be a real instant impact guy, and we'll all kind of learn together, and I think Osai will too, but he does seem to have the right attitude right now. Yeah, if you're if you're making a list of top five guys you're most interested to see in training camp, he's he's right up there at the top because he it wasn't just that Tampa game. I mean, he was flashing in those training camp practices we were all noticing, and then he got the chance to do it under the lights. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see um, – once he's back to 100%, if he looks like he did last year in camp, and, and then what he can do when he actually gets out there and plays more than one game. Yeah. Um, we've got the latest in the Jesse Bates saga, which isn't really the latest. Um, it's just sort of the latest thing that someone said. Out of Philadelphia, there was basically a story that sort of caught some wind. But, hey, the, you know, the Eagles, they could trade for Jesse Bates. They've got draft capital. Um, that they could use to swing that. Would they do it? What would it take? You know, in the story I wrote last week, I discussed, you know, what the precedent is here for trade value. You know, you had Minka Fitzpatrick got a first round pick uh, this when he was traded from Miami to Pittsburgh. You had Jamal Adams involved a couple of ones, a couple of things there. I mean, no one's trying to replicate what Seattle did. See, ask Seahawks fans if anybody wants to redo that trade again, and and or ask thirty-one other GMs if they would redo that trade, and you <laughs> wouldn't. The, the, what they gave up is was a mistake and something they're still dealing with, and so that's not something I think you would expect to happen again. Minka Fitzpatrick had multiple years on his rookie contract still available. He hasn't even gotten his long-term extension yet, and and. So you were trading a first-round pick. Yes, that was his value, but this is one year of Jesse Bates before you have to pay him, okay? And so that's not exactly – now, maybe you're saying you're going to trade, you're going to do a sign trade before July 15th, and you're willing to pay him what he's worth. Then, then okay, then maybe then, but they're also taking on some value, so the value goes down on what they're willing to give up. All that said, I mean, I don't think you're getting a one for Jesse Bates – you know, it feels more like you're probably aiming for two for a two or two in a player um, is probably a best case scenario. Is that worth it? Would the Bengals do that? Maybe. I mean, I, I don't I don't want to th- you're not going to throw out any possibility. I think if you ask them honestly today, they'd say, I mean, maybe. Uh, I don't think they are looking to do that. They're looking to be good for 2022. They're looking to win the Super Bowl. They're looking for Jesse Bates to show up and play on the franchise tag and play great. The end. That's plan A. Um, They're not looking to trade him. They would have to be blown away for that to be something that they consider doing. I don't know. that Maybe the Eagles are willing to blow away. Duke Tobin and Mike Brown, I don't know, maybe. Uh, but my my gut on that says no. 
Well, yeah, I mean, anytime we get into these conversations about negotiations and how the Bengals never blink and, and you rarely beat them um, when it comes to these standoffs, it, it feels like trading Jesse Bates would would be the not not the Bengals giving up, but it would feel like a loss in some ways. I just, I don't see it happening. Even the the whole Carson Palmer thing, they were not going to trade him. They could have got good value. And it took this ridiculous, huge deal from the Raiders for the Bengals to say, okay, we'll do that. You're not getting that for Jesse Bates. You're not getting that kind of haul. So I, and the other thing is too, you, you talked about it earlier, how you don't, get much out of these OTAs anymore. So how much are they really going to be able to evaluate Dax Hill beyond what they saw on film in college that, that, that made him a number one overall pick to, to make them feel more comfortable dealing Jesse Bates? Um, the, you're not going to, by the time training camp rolls around, the July 15 deadline is passed. And is is a team going to going to trade for Jesse Bates before July 15th, wondering if he's still going to hold that same stance where I'm not going to play unless I get a long-term deal. There's just so many question marks out there. Um, I agree with you. I wouldn't say never say never, but it, it feels like a long shot that, that that's something that would happen. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think Jesse Bates is just hoping that on July 15th, the Bengals give him the contract that he wants and that his little, statement was what a part of what nudged it the right way and they can all be happy if that doesn't happen eventually he'll have to answer the 13 million dollar question mm-hmm. and we know how everyone has always answered that i'll, I'll, I'll take the 13 million dollars is the answer to that question <laughs> um and he'll probably you know that's that's likely where it ends and everyone would feel like that's plan a at least those in the Bengals building is what they prefer um, let's talk about Jackson Carmen, who was uh, – we talked about open locker room being open yesterday. Uh, Jackson Carmen ended up holding court. You mentioned, Jay, I did a beeline for Joseph Osai, and as I was sort of doing the interview that y'all just listened to, um, Carmen ended up being there uh, and available, which I don't – I think there was kind of an expectation that we wouldn't even see him uh, mm-hmm. all camp, that any time there was going to be an open locker room that he would be – um, gone or hiding, um, whatever the word is you want to use, uh, not standing at his locker, but um, he was there. Jay, you were there. I mean, you wrote the story on on him that that's up now. You know, the big thing is that everyone, I think, of all the stories that have been written across a bunch of bunch of people, wrote the Carmen story off him talking yesterday was that you know no no question about the 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 defector piece. And the rape allegation associated with that um, were were asked. What went? How did that all work, Jay? As 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 the huddle formed there? Yeah. So I I kind of had my game plan when I walked in the locker room was to catch up with with some of the new guys. But being on vacation last week, not being able to introduce myself to the new guys um, on the first open locker room. So I, I went and I talked to Ted Karras and I talked to Hayden Hurst and I was, I was trying to get those guys just introduce them, let them know who I am. Like you said, it wasn't a big newsy day. There wasn't a lot to take out of OTAs. And so I'm doing that. And I noticed that, that Jackson is, as you said, holding court and talking to reporters. So I go over there and the interview is already in progress. And there's a PR representative standing right next to him, which looked like multiple. It, 
PR. at times, yes. When yeah. I went, there was just one, at, but then it ended up being two uh, later in the interview, which is rare. It's not unheard of. If there is a, a player that has something that, that could be controversial, then sometimes they will listen in. It was an assumption on my part, and we all know how, what, what happens when you assume. But because I got in late, I assumed that there had been ground rules that, hey, he's, he's going to only talk about football. He's not going to talk about the other stuff. Or the other stuff was taken addressed early and then they moved on to football. And so I, I, I did, I just jumped in on the football conversation and, and took it that direction and didn't realize that it, that it had not been addressed at all. And it's not, I know some people are, are saying, you know, you're afraid to ask the question. It, it's not so much of afraid of that. What you don't want to do. There's, there's a nuance there where if if a guy is talking and you're getting what you need, you don't want to ask something that's going to shut it down uh, for everybody else. And especially if you miss the beginning part, I hate that when you're doing an interview and someone comes in late and they start asking questions that are already been answered, already been asked. So I was just kind of at a disadvantage there, having come in late. And we we've discussed this before too, where there was never any charges. There was he's well within his rights to play football and he is it is such a going back to that top five story thing of training camp i mean he is right there at the top he that is the big position battle the big question and i just kind of rolled with it and, and stuck to the football part of it and um more kind of how the sausage is being made for for listeners is we're we're a very uh friendly beat group and a lot of times we we trade we trade transcripts if it's a group interview everyone will take a part of the interview transcribe it and send it to everybody else so i figured if that had been addressed i would get that whatever i assumed it would be a no comment or if there was a comment i would get that in the transcript and the interview ended it was never asked and then turns out it, it was not asked at any point before i got there um i don't think that jackson would have said anything um but that that's the reason that 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 wasn't addressed at all in the story and it kind of it just focused on the football aspect and trying to win the starting job. Yeah, it, it it's a it's a tough spot because I mean, you want to I, I get that no comment. I mean, that's that's mm. what you would have gotten out of it. I mean, that's there's just it's too simple of a thing that they have the stance they have taken that that you know, they're obviously have talked about with Jackson about taking the fact that he was there standing there was, was not a mistake. The fact that PR was there, they obviously were all prepared for this potentially happening. There was going to be a no comment. It's in that it's not a matter of not wanting to ask these questions need to be asked. And I hate that they didn't get asked yesterday. Um, and for uh, all of us, um, that stinks. Um, I, that, that didn't happen, but you know, you're right, Jay. The other part of it is, even without that, there, there's you, you, you do have this guy as a relevant aspect of the football conversation in a big way, and you know that doesn't make the story about what he's doing right now a puff piece because it isn't a takedown. It sucks that that question wasn't given an answer. Uh, you know that, or that it wasn't asked, and that we didn't get whatever no comment we were gonna get. Um, I wish that was more a part of it. Um, but it's a it, it would have been a minor throwaway line in a bigger picture about you know look from a football perspective to this team, you know it's still a very relevant storyline. I you know 
it's a touchy situation. It's hard. Um, these are questions that he doesn't honestly. He can no comment for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. It's up to the you know the the Bengals aren't doing anything. The Bengals are standing by the no charges thing. They're not going to comment. And you know next time there is availability, if I'm there, I will make sure that we it gets asked. Um, but sometimes, like you said, and like Jay was describing, sometimes it, it, it does happen that way. It sucks, and I hate that, that that that's the way it goes down, but sometimes it does happen that way. Yeah, and, and Jay, this got, is – Go ahead, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say this is, this is open locker room two of endless. There's There will be, as you said, more chances to approach him with something like that. And, and it, doing it in a one-on-one sec – session you 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 might get more from him as opposed to when there's five six seven recorders in his face and cameras and cameras. all right let's just take a quick break customers are rushing to your store do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real pos you need shopify for retail shopify pos is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory shopify has everything you need to sell in person with shopify you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Jay, you've got uh, O-line stats, you know, as we get into who's going to actually end up winning this job. What's the O-line going to look like? What what, what, what do you got for us? Yeah, so I was – Interested, you know, they had all these these different offensive line combinations last year, 
And I was wondering what was what was the stretch? What was the longest stretch where they had the same five starting offensive linemen? Um, and the answer was four games in a row. And those four games were wild card, divisional, conference championship, and Super Bowl. <laughs> that was the only time all year they started the same five. Now, if you take out the week 18 JV lineup, um, then it would have been six in a row because it was Williams, Spain, Hopkins, Adenogy, and Prince in the, the two games before the Cleveland finale and then the four games of the playoffs. But I was, uh, I went beyond. I was like, well, I wonder when was the last time that they had a, a stretch of more than four games in a row with the same five starting offensive linemen. Um, they, they had four in a row in 2020. Um, they had four in a row in 2019. You have to go all the way back to weeks three through eight in 2018 for a longer stretch where they, that those, that was six weeks in a row with Cordy Glenn, Clint Bowling, Trey Hopkins, Alex Redman, and Bobby Hart. Some wow. names from the past uh, when, when they had a consistent offensive line. Um, and and I, I, it got me thinking of the bigger picture, too, of unique starting lineups. What teams that, that start the same guys over and over and over again. Um, last year on offense, the, the Rams – led the league with only nine different starting lineups on offense. The Bengals were tied for second with the Chiefs with 11. You know, all three of those teams were in conference championship games. If you have that kind of consistency in your lineup, that helps. On defense, the Bills led the league with only nine different starting lineups. Bengals tied for third with 11. So that it kind of goes to that point of, you know, that the the health piece last year, how important that was to to get them on to the point where they could go on that that special run in the postseason. Um, I, <laughs> I I I also looked with that that unique starting lineup piece, and I found this amazing. I was, I, it wasn't specific starting lineups, just number of guys that start at least 16 games. Cause you have to say at least now, cause there were 17 last year. So they, they had nine guys last year that started 16 games. And I wanted to see where that ranked in Bengals history. And I looked, I went all the way back to when 16 game season started. And it's, it's right in the middle. The last time they went to the Super Bowl in 1988. 17 of the 22 starters played all 16 games. Wow. It's just, it's amazing. Um, now that they may, may not have started all 16 games, but they had 17 guys play 16 games in a season, which is just remarkable. Um, conversely in 2020, they had three guys play 16 games <laughs> fewest in franchise history in 2019 they had five tied for second fewest in franchise history so climbing to nine was was a big step and it it, it if it can get higher that would help be helpful but i think they would take nine or ten every single year sure no doubt uh and 16 in particular and keep taking that last week off to exactly. get yourself rest for the playoffs <laughs> um let's bring in mo 
Uh, let's bring in Mo and uh, chat a little bit. Actually, that's kind of a topic that we're going to get into with him. Uh, and that and uh, s- some other <laughs> very interesting things uh, <laughs> that have occurred over the last week. So uh, let's bring in our good friend, powering through, uh, Mo Egger of ESPN 1530. All right, now it's time to bring in once again our good friend from ESPN 1530, who is... Celebrated 15 strong years on the Moager show uh, over there. How's it going? I wouldn't say strong. Uh, 15 years we've been on, but I wouldn't call them strong. I I did. I hadn't. I don't know that I hadn't seen this, but your producer had a shirt yesterday that said the Moager show on the front and the back, I believe, said 13th best (laughs) mid-market afternoon host. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you quickly pointed out you've you'd advanced to ninth. Uh yeah. <laughs> Do you want an elaboration on that? Do you want yes, an, yes. Okay. <clears throat> so there's a there's a website, barrettsportsmedia.com, where they rank they have radio host rankings every year, and <clears throat> they're broken down by day part, market size. So every year <clears throat> I appear on this list, or I guess for the last couple of years, I've appeared on this list of Top 20, I think it's mid-market. I, I don't I don't know if I have that verbiage correct. The top 20 mid-market afternoon hosts. I think the first year I was on that list, I was 17th. I have steadily climbed. I think I was 13th, then 11th. I cracked the top 10 this year. Uh, so, but yeah, Mike Mills, our engineer from our show at the Holy Grail, they... Uh, Tony Pike made shirts commemorating the, the one year that I was 13 mid market. I don't know that I didn't know there were 20 of us in the, you know, in the, yeah. you know, I hate to what be number 21 here. I want to talk to the guy who's number 21. Like, you know, is there a 21st <laughs> slot? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm now number nine. We'll see what happens in 2022. Yeah. I mean, you're on the up and up after yesterday, after the big celebration at the bow tie sure. bar, which I was thrilled to be a part of a lot of fun faces to see. And uh, and catch up with and didn't watch a single pitch and couldn't have wanted <laughs> it to be much. any other way. Didn't want it to be any other way. It was uh, a great time. And uh, Austin Austin Elmore's turned twenty seven and won the match game in dramatic fashion on the video board. <laughs> <laughs> it was just uh, it was a monumental day. It was. Uh, it was a monumental day, and I wish it would have been on a Friday. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> here we are, uh, still back at it. Uh, and yeah. now we're gonna tell you how many times you tweeted. The question is, should we differentiate to how many times Mo tweeted about the event versus how many times he tweeted about anything else? Because I feel like it'd be about a seventy-five twenty-five. I haven't split. had that much to say on Twitter, which is, you know, I have really honestly haven't had that much to say on the radio show either. So I, I'm, I'm interested in what the stats say. Yeah, I have the total number. I did not break it down by uh, event, non-event, but I'm with Paul. It would probably be in that 70 to 30 range. Uh, The total number of tweets uh, from the last week was 146. Whoa. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of promotion. Yes. As I said to you yesterday, I was told many years ago, I have to be a better self-promoter. I'm trying. Yes. I'm trying. It's you against are. my nature, but I'm trying. Uh, I appreciated that. I do have a Bengals uh, tweet-ish and then another uh, tweet from your week that I or Really, both of them stem directly from your show that I particularly enjoyed. One was you, you discussed this, and it mm-hmm. was what the Bengals could have done to be a trendy Super Bowl pick. Yeah. 
what they could have done last year. And I, I thought it was an interesting discussion because, uh, you know, you would think succeeding on the field typically makes people believe in you more. Uh, but as you, your, your point is that's not the case. Yeah, so they're not a trendy Super Bowl pick. Um, they're a logical one. Uh, you know, I mean, if, if you look at it just purely from the standpoint of the team they have, what they did last year, uh, the the improvements they made to the team, um, I think there's every reason in the world to pick the Bengals to be a Super Bowl team. Now, I get the division's tough. There's a lot of different teams you could say that about in the AFC. But I, I guess my point was this. I, I've heard for a couple of months now, well, they were they benefited from luck last year, which is undeniable, right? Um, they were healthy. They had some breaks go their way in those postseason games. Um, but they were lucky last year. And God, you know what? That's that's it's it's hard for luck to repeat itself. So, all right, fine. But let's say they go to Tennessee and lose that game. Let's say Mike Vrabel actually knows how a clock works and <laughs> they uh kick a field goal, Tennessee wins a hard-fought, low-scoring game. I believe, and then the Bengals have the same exact offseason. They go and make the offensive line upgrades. I believe people would be talking about how, you know what? They put behind them winning a playoff game. They've done that. Now this franchise is ready to take the next step with an ascending quarterback and his uh, weapons that he's got at his disposal. And they'll run the ball more effectively behind this offensive line. And boy, basically, the core of that team is, is intact that uh, won the division and won a playoff game last year. And so this is a trendy, <clears throat> this is a team that's going to get to the Super Bowl. This is a team that's going to break through. They're going to take the next step. Instead, um, because they got to the Super Bowl, the focus has been on some of the breaks they got to get there. And I believe we would be talking about nationally, people would be talking about the Bengals being uh, a Super Bowl team more had they lost in the postseason last year than they are right now because them getting there, the focus has been on the breaks they got. Had they not gotten there, I think the focus would be on the ascension of Joe Burrow and the overall quality of the roster. Yeah, you might have a point there. I I don't know, though, because it seems like those trendy picks, at least in my mind, and I think when when you talk trendy with when, when it's a lot of people talking about them, you, it's those it's that stair step thing where it's it's not the one hit wonder a team like the Bengals that came out of nowhere and regardless of whether they went to the Super Bowl or had lost in the division round. It's a lot of times those trendy picks like this year the Bills. It's that team that's that's constantly knocking on the door that's on the mm-hmm. come and. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It would be interesting to see what it would look like if you could dip into an alternate universe and see had they lost that game, how many people would be picking them. I am I am a little surprised. I get that a lot of people don't have faith um, and, and they think luck was a big part of it and the one hit wonder aspect. But I mean, you, you have the offensive rookie of the year. You have a top five MVP candidate. I just I don't understand why there isn't more buzz over them. And unless it is based on history and not current makeup. I mean, everybody is, everybody just assumes regression candidate, yeah. right? I mean, because they have so much and, and that becomes the talking point around them. You know, then we'll talk about a team like the chargers and do you believe more in a team that added pieces and they have the cool media savvy head coach uh, who has, this, you know, everybody is claims that he is changing the way that football is played on both sides of the ball forever and ever, apparently, by going eight and nine or whatever they did. And 
and and the Chargers, man, like that, they got the quarterback and all these pieces they added in free agency. Yeah, at what point do we criticize the fact and judge them on the fact that they didn't do it last year? That mm-hmm. they couldn't even do whatever they needed to do in Vegas. Uh, to go get a win, bad defense or not, first year head coach or not, like at a certain point, I feel like there's a lot of discrediting of actually doing it. And also the luck factor, the Bengals have just as good a chance to be lucky or unlucky again as the other 31 to 31 teams do. Anybody like Jay that plays the odds knows that <laughs> that you that you have the same odds of being lucky this year as they did of being lucky last year. It doesn't change. It isn't like the coin flip. We're going to back into the coin flip situation again. Oh, no. But I mean, I just feel like that is uh, the doing it on the field is just a conversation that people have decided not to have with certain teams and I specifically pinpoint the Chargers. Yeah, and I mean, look, you, you don't get to the you don't get to a Super Bowl. You don't come within a, a play or two of winning a title because you're lucky. Now, luck is always a factor in sports. Luck is luck is always a factor in life. But you put yourself in a position to benefit from luck by the way they built the roster, the way they played, uh, the way they played complementary football in the postseason, the way their defense was, um, you know, really at its peak during the playoffs, uh, the the way they game planned around an offensive line that was a deficiency. I, I really feel like it's a massive discredit to this team to simply attribute what they did to being fortunate. Now, you know, look, they were they were healthy last year, man. Health was their their greatest asset, but you can't predict that year to year. So you're going to tell me in January the Bengals are going to be decimated by injuries? Okay, well, which team are you going to tell me is healthy? If we're just judging, <clears throat> excuse me, if we're just talking about the the the, the probabilities of each team in the AFC making the Super Bowl based on what's on paper. How do you not, <clears throat> excuse me, how do you not incorporate the Bengals into that conversation? Because that team made the Super Bowl last year. It's largely the same group of guys. It's basically everybody but CJ Uzama and now a better offensive line. So I, I hate the, I, I hate the fact that we've just defaulted to, well, it was sort of fluky. What was fluky about what they did? Um, they were awesome at the end of the regular season because they have a great quarterback and a whole bunch of dudes who can make plays on offense. That wasn't fluky. Uh, what did they do in the postseason? Was stopping Derrick Henry fluky? No, that was a great defensive game plan by Lou Anarumo. Was what they did in the second half against Patrick Mahomes fluky? No, again, that was a great defensive game plan by Lou Anarumo. They made plays in that game. Um, fluky really sort of undermines what they were able to do. And I also just feel like like, do we feel like Joe Burrow isn't still improving? I, I mean, it's it just it's it's you know, it's interesting to me that they talk about people talk about what the Bengals did last season and they talk about how much the offense struggled in the postseason. And it did. They had a quarterback who led the league in completion percentage and yards per attempt. That's a rare combination. And it was in his first year, first full season as a starting quarterback. We don't think he has room to get better. We don't think Zach Taylor can get better. We don't think this offensive core uh, can get better. I, I just, I think they're sort of, a lot of people are discounting what might still happen with the benefit of another offseason, first, the first real uh, normal offseason for Joe Burrow. What might happen if he continues to grow into the role? What might happen if Zach Taylor continues to grow into the role of a head coach when it comes to situational football? I just I feel like the the fluky, the lucky, that conversation really ignores a lot of things that I think are really likely to happen this year. And that's this team 
performing better because the individual players starting with the quarterback perform better. And I, I also feel like I've talked about this a lot. I think, you know, people do get better at their jobs. I haven't, but uh, you know, Zach Taylor can get better at his job. I mean, you you guys have talked about situational football, right? This coaching staff can still get better. They can do better when it comes to the end of game situation against San Francisco, maybe the end of game situation against the Rams in the Super Bowl. I, I just feel like when we default to last year being a fluke, the fact that they were lucky ignores a lot of things that could happen in terms of improvement by players and coaches. You know, I- I'll just say this before I get to a more important question about your tweets. And and that is, you know, last year at the end of the season and in the playoffs, the chiefs were the chiefs, which has been the strongest any franchise in the AFC has been, you know, out since certainly since Brady left new England and right up there on that same level since Mahomes has entered the equation and they beat him twice. And they did it in two different ways. And they did it at their place. And they did it here. And they did it both with the lights on it, both with everything on the line for both teams. I don't know what else you have to do like, mm-hmm. to prove that that's not a fluke. Doing it back-to-back times, twice against the Chiefs in two different places, is not a fluke. And and to me, that's the thing that just it just gets glossed over. People give the Bills more credit uh, mm-hmm. than they do the Bengals for the way they played against the Chiefs. And, and it's because people, I think, get obsessed with the offensive side of the ball and don't want to give credit to teams that, you know, do things like actually play defense and make stops, which appears to be very important. More important question, though, for you, uh, also from your tweets this past week and your show. Hmm. How did it turn out in Gerardo versus the guy who invented Reddit. <laughs> Did we ever decide who is more famous? You were playing uh, who could get the mo- most famous person to tweet happy birthday. Is that what it was? Yeah, I was. <clears throat> so there's there's a little bit of a backstory here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I hope we, so. We, we played the famous game on the air in 2015. I think it was 2015. And it was I think we gave away home run derby tickets. And uh, we had a game. Who can get the most famous person to call the radio show? And it was awesome. Like Didn't Gino, Gino Atkins, Atkins call yeah, in, and you guys got pissed off. <laughs> it's the first time you like. It's like the only time he talked in seven years was to call in to give his buddy free tickets. <laughs> like uh, Scal Labissier, the former Kentucky Wildcat, called. In. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Uh, so we, I forget who the most famous person was. I, I, Anthony Munoz called in, and because. I didn't want to make him mad. I think we deemed him the most famous person, even though I'm not really sure he was the most famous person somewhere. I have a list of all the the people. So (laughs) long story short here, um, my friend will bought tickets to our little goofy event out there at the game the other night. And um, he couldn't go to the game. So he, he bought uh, 10 pairs or he bought five pairs of tickets. He bought 10 tickets. He's like, give them away. So I, we, we, we had a little, uh, a, a few little games we did on social media. We basically uh, begged people to follow the station social media accounts and gave tickets away that way. We had a little trivia game one day, but then I, I wanted to play the famous game because Will's birthday was Monday. I'm like, well, let's see if we can have famous people tweet Will happy birthday. And a lot of people tried to get famous folks to tweet him, but there wasn't that much success. So we ended up <laughs> with a list of celebrities that included um, let's see, Mike Golick Jr. Uh, let's see who else. Chris Rose from NFL Network. Right. 
uh, Joe Goodberry. <laughs> Somebody tweeted, asked Joe Good. Joe uh, said happy birthday. But the <clears throat> I thought the most famous person to tweet, well, happy birthday was Gerardo. Early 90s, one hit wonder, hip hop guy, Rico Suave. When I was in the eighth grade, this was like the biggest song ever. It's got the worst music video of all time. Uh, it's really a terrible song. But the founder of Reddit, who apparently is also married to Serena Williams, somebody got him to tweet, Will, happy birthday. So we went down the list of, quote unquote, famous people. And it was a discussion about who's more famous, Gerardo or the guy who invented Reddit. Now, my argument for Gerardo was based on the fact that nobody knew the name of the guy who invented Reddit. Thank you. If you're just the guy who invented something, that's cool. But you're not famous if I don't know your name. I had never heard of this guy. <clears throat> so it turned into this discussion of, well, Gerardo had a huge, massive hit, but it was 30 years ago. And, and nobody younger than me had ever heard of Rico Suave. Like my producer hadn't heard of Rico Suave. Oh. So it was that <laughs> versus, hey, this guy invented Reddit, which a lot of people use. But we don't know who he is. Also, does he get famous points for marrying Serena Williams for my money, the greatest tennis player of all time? Uh, so we put it to a poll. We put it to a vote. And the guy who invented Reddit won. Wow. But the kicker to all this is the woman who got Gerardo to tweet, Will, happy birthday, came to the game and informed me that she used to date Gerardo. Wow. <laughs> this is the most fascinating thing. And they're still <laughs> friends. So I'm like, well, why, why did you get Gerardo to pick up the phone and call the show? That would have been awesome. <laughs> Gerardo apparently lives in Kentucky. He is a minister. He what? Is, yes. Yes. You talk about things that I would not have imagined. He has uh, sort of abandoned his old hip hop persona, Rico Suave. He is now a minister in Ashland, Kentucky. Had what? I known this, he would have won. And he dated this woman that listens to our show. Unfortunately for Gerardo and this woman who listens to our show, Reddit boy won the, the vote. So we, we deemed Reddit guy more famous, even though I don't know his name. Uh, it, I, basically, what this illustrates is the fact that we really could have done a better job with the famous game. Yeah. <laughs> Gerardo, by the way, if we had played the hall pass game back in college, would have been on Nikki Morrison's hall pass <laughs> really? yes, along with Kip Winger. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a little... Wow. At, at unease, disease, whatever you want to say, that the fact that he lives so close in Kentucky. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, I, I didn't know that he's, he's a minister now. Um, I wanted real quick, if we have time in the theme of contests uh, and in honor of your 15 year anniversary. Yeah. Um, there have been nine players that have worn number 15 for the Bengals. Oh, wow. Do you, I don't know how many you could name or do you have a favorite or can you come up with any? I, I, I'm probably... This is probably too quick uh, on your morning of recovery. If if you want to pass on that, you can. Or if you can scan your memory bank and come up with any, I'll put the challenge to you. Well, uh, so uh, Chris Henry. Yes. Uh, Eric Kresser. Wow. Wow. Yes. There you go. Started <laughs> against the Buccaneers in a game. They lost 35 nothing week 16 one year. Right. Eric Kresser. Wow. Uh, like Turk Schoner, did he Turk, wear fifteen? Turk he Schoener did. Was fifteen, yes. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I thought so. He was the first name I thought of. Has any? Ha, let me ask you this: Has anybody worn fifteen since Chris Henry? 
Yes. Uh, yeah, two. Both were wide receivers. Both. One was a massive bust. One was a bust, but he was a late round pick. So like, oh man. So Chris, Chris's last year. Was James Rapine would definitely know. Yeah, who, uh, who one of them is? John Ross didn't wear fifteen. He, he did. did. He started he with did. fifteen before he switched. Uh, he to 11. started with fifteen. Remember that yeah. was going to really change his career around was when he switched his number to eleven, <laughs> and it was like, oh, now he's new. He's back to his old number. He's going to really rediscover himself. And it is there like uh, who uh, purified with, with him? Morris purified. He, he was fourteen, I believe. He was fourteen. Uh, yeah, he was. Um, he he's the only one other than Dalton since. Since Ken Anderson to wear fourteen, uh, Mario Alford was the other one I was uh, okay. talking yeah. about. He was yeah. a seventh round pick in two thousand fifteen. The others are John Stofa, Dave Lewis, Mike Wells, David Klingler wore David 15, Klingler wore his 15. first year first year because Boomer yes. was still here. Yeah, yes. Um, and then you had Cresser and Henry, and then it was Alford and Ross and Damian Willis. And Damian Willis was the the most recent. Yes. Yeah. From undrafted uh, to starting week one somehow and then cut. Well, I, I, <laughs> I guess I guess I would say my favorite would be Chris Henry. Yeah. I mean, just tremendous deep threat. You know, I mean, you know, think about how good that guy could have been. But uh, there was like there were like five minutes in the late 90s where people were like, you know what? Eric Kresser could be the guy. And then they roll him out there <laughs> against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they got absolutely curb stomped. And that. <laughs> very quickly squelch that conversation yeah <laughs> can we you know what we're gonna do the uh the throwback uh episode again throwback can, can we the air cresser game hey can we <laughs> let's <laughs> let's scratch let's scratch Bengals broncos and let's just do the five minutes that eric cresser was the answer like that's that i'm way more interested i mean it was one of those years where like i was in college uh and calling sports talk radio shows because yeah. that's what I wanted to do. And I think I worked myself into a, the Bengals should play Eric Crest for phone call to one of those guys <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that somewhere that that tape exists. Of we me, dig you know, it out of the archives me calling and play it like Tim Lewis or somebody going, you know, they should play. <laughs> uh, I think it was like Chris 98 or something. They should play Eric. But yeah, he was, he was 15. And, and I, I remember that. I remember that game. I remember that the 30, the 35, nothing against the bucks. I remember that game. All right, well, we'll we'll consider uh, swapping out Bengals Broncos Monday Night Football for that. Uh, we'll, we'll and we'll get back to you on that. Mo. The thing about the the thing about the Gerardo thing, though, that I have I have brought to the masses. One more so, Gerardo thought he says. So, uh, you know that song came out when MTV still played videos, right? Uh huh. So it was an MTV staple, and I said on the air the other day, uh, I'm like, look, when that video came out, when that song came out. There's a moment in that video in which a woman does something that defies physics. It, it's it's one of the most anatomically incredible things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I hadn't seen it in three decades. So as I'm saying this, I'm like pulling it up on YouTube and I find the video. I watch the video. The video is as bad as I remember. But at the three minute 20 at the three minute, 24 second mark of the video, there's uh, Rico Suave Gerardo with one of the uh, models, dancers, whoever in his video. And she does this thing with her leg. And it it, it is exactly as I remembered. So I, <laughs> I said this on the air. I'm like, look, 
you got it's not x-rated you're you'll be fine watching this with your kids it's not that big of a deal but go to the three minute 24 second mark of this video and tell me how this woman does this she does something with her leg that makes it parallel to her it's unbelievable and i remember <laughs> i saw this often as a kid and i would always remark to my you know my friends like hey and the ricos and they you know like well we have other things going on uh but, but it, it, I, it came up again. I watched it. I referenced the specific point in the video. And so everybody that uh, has mentioned that to me in the, the aftermath of whatever we were talking about with Gerardo has said to me, I don't know how she does this. So I'm imploring your listeners, go to YouTube, Rico Suave. Don't watch the video. It's really bad. But just go to the three minute, 24 second mark and explain to me how this woman does this thing with her leg. I've wanted to know this for 31 <laughs> damn years. It's flummoxed me this entire time. There's, I mean, I. What could you just drive to Ashland, Kentucky, get into the congregation, and wait till the till the you know it ends? And yes, ask, hey, maybe hey, Gerardo. Gerardo knows. Yeah, like, he he's like, oh yeah, we found this girl in like the circus or something, and she could do this thing. That's why we put her in the video. That's it's the incredible. Ones. It's uh, it defies explanation. It did then. It does now. And I. I, I stopped thinking about this for three decades. Now I can't not think about this, how this woman does this thing in this video. It's incredible. Any other Gerardo points you'd like to make? I think I'm done. I think I'm done with Gerardo. <laughs> okay. And the guy who invented I just want to make sure you feel fulfilled and heard. Okay. That's all. It, do you, do you believe if you marry someone famous, because we would all agree Serena Williams, uber famous, Yeah. right? If you marry someone famous, are you famous? No, you're, exactly. you're more famous maybe than you were before you're if your bit. name ends up in headlines. Uh, but that's not the case with this guy. Right. He's still if the guy. He's still the guy who. And, and by the way, inventing Reddit's awesome. I'm sure it's been very lucrative. This for isn't him. the most accomplished person. This is the most famous person that Correct. most people would famous. know the name of if you heard it. And we still don't know his name. So uh, let's say we're hanging out, right? We're at a bar. Gerardo walks in. There's going to be somebody who's like, hey, it's Gerardo. Yeah. Why is Rico he here? Suave comes on yeah. the jukebox. Hey, can, I, can we watch your video? If the guy who invents Reddit walks in, no one knows who he is. He better Nobody have Serena knows. with him. And that's who we're talking about. Who is Correct. more famous? Yes. 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 <laughs> All right. Great stuff, Mo. I appreciate it as always. All right. We'll talk Thank to you later. You. Thanks for Thanks, the party. Mo. All right, Jay. So we have watched the Gerardo video. <laughs> And that is not her leg. No. Nope. I'll say if you go, if you're listening and you watch, there's there's just no way that's her. It's not her leg. It's it's like a dummy leg or something. Or there's a second person laying there. It certainly makes very little sense. And it's so quick. And I'm really more concerned that something that is half a second long <laughs> has stuck in his craw for 30 plus years. Uh, it's really, it's 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 concerning. It's concerning. I would if there's any female listeners out there who are gymnasts or practice yoga and can pull off that move, by all means, send us a picture and show us it is possible. <laughs> but I don't think it is. Oh, no. Don't send us those pictures. Uh, be fully clothed. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. Well, I mean, not, not like the leotard in the in the video. I mean, just put on your normal clothes and, and do that pose. Prove prove that it's possible. It's I, it's not. I, it's not. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, some listener run passer boots. Thanks, to people that have show, uh, sent these in. We'll get to some more of the mailbag questions uh, later in the week. I'll have that 
Uh, should be up for you Friday morning as I go through some of the questions y'all have. But to start, Tony Catalano has this run passer boot. He says, first player to get his second contract, Higgins, Burrow, Wilson, Logan Wilson, Joe Burrow, if you've heard of him, and T. Higgins. Uh, we, you're basically choosing the order here, uh, mm. run passer boot. Uh, I'll go ahead and I don't know if I'm speaking for you, but I'll go ahead and run and say Joe Burrow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think all it's just the first domino. I mean, I suppose there's certainly a situation where you get into next year, next off season, and you're working with him and you're trying to figure it out, and like, oh man, this is gonna be harder than we thought. Hmm. Let's get some of the other deals done. But I don't. You can't with a with a nugget that big and a structure that important. You can't do anything else until you get that figured out. That is A, one, how is – because you don't know how the rest of your financial balance sheet is going to look until the Burrow thing is set and you can now reassess what the world looks like, what you can fit in, what years, and, and who can you fit in. All that is dependent on what the end of the Burrow contract ends up looking like. And ultimately, you have to – know that that's number one and, and everything else rests on it, which is why I, it's, I think it's a no-brainer that he would end up being first because I don't think they can do the other ones until they do that. Yeah, I mean, that's the piece. Is it, It's it's not – yes, he's the most important player on the team at the most important position and all that, but that's not why he'll get done first. It's because of that ripple effect and you have to see – get get the main one done and then see what you have left, and that works in – in terms of negotiation, too, where you can say, well, you know, we'd like to give you this, but we just gave Joe Burrow that. And it, it just I can't remember the, the year they extended Andy. Did they do any other extensions that year? I, oh, I do geez. remember. Yeah, I, mean, I do remember. 2014. Andy. I mean, probably I'd have to go back and look at the specifics look. of that. I don't off the top of my head. I don't remember. But I remember Andy being earlier than typical. Normally, they do these extensions in. August, you know, closer yeah. to the start of the regular season. Um, I, I thought Andy was was in July, if I remember right. Um, but yeah, that that just makes all the sense in the world. Get Burrow out of the way. Then you know, if you're going for who's the pass, I, it's a coin flip. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know which way I would go with that because does, does Higgins mean more to the offense than Wilson means to the defense? Do, is wide receiver obviously is more important to today's football than the linebacker position is, but Wilson's would be a much more affordable deal to get done. Um, that that's a great question. I don't know which way they would go there. I, I, I will, I will roll the dice and say they, they knock Wilson out and then see where they land and, and get Higgins done. Yeah, I mean, I you know, because you, you can't – I feel like there's a part of a way where you can't talk about Higgins until you start talking about Chase. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you pay Higgins $30 million, $25 million, I mean, if, if you're talking about T. Higgins wanting receiver one type money, the big time type of money, which he's been a top he, – his numbers suggest he was a top 10 receiver last year. I mean, if you want that, are, can you really – is there really a world where you can pay Burrow Higgins – chase i mean can you really do that or do you have to cycle do you have to mm-hmm. just ride out his contract draft 
in the second round, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, a, a receiver next year that can be T. Higgins when he leaves or be ready if he does leave. And that's so to me, for that fact, and as much problem as they've had. Now, they don't value linebacker as much, but I think having one that fits the new school mode that can cover as well as Logan Wilson can do and as hard as much problem as they had finding that, I would say that Logan, I would give Logan Wilson a, a decent jump on, on Higgins. That's why I would go Burrow, Wilson, Higgins. Uh, let's roll it on. Uh, Mike Bittenbender has this run passer boot. Biggest impact in 2022 by someone that did not play for the Bengals in 2021. Joseph Osai, Dax Hill, Hayden Hurst. I'll let you go, Jay. And this is a really good one, Mike, because Hurst is the only starter on this group. But I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to boot him just because I, I don't know how big of a role the tight end is going to have in this offense. He, he can be a weapon at times, but as far as a big impact – I don't know. It's hard to say not knowing what's going to happen with Jesse Bates. And so that kind of pushes Dax Hill up, but I still, I'm still going to go with Joseph Osai. I just think it's there. It's a pass rusher league. Um, those guys are, are difference makers. Um, I, I could see even if he's just a third down pass rush specialist, him being a guy that, that can have a huge impact, whether it's sacks or, or turnover, you know, forcing pressures and hits. And um, I, I think Dax Hill is going to be a really, really special player. But I, I'm not sure. And we're going to see him a lot this year, even if he doesn't start. Um, Impact-wise, I'm not sure his would be as great as Joseph Osai. So I'll run with Osai. I'll pass on Dax Hill. And, and I'll boot Hayden Hurst, even though he's the only starter on this list. I'm going to run with Hayden Hurst. Are you? I, I, you know, I mean, even if he puts up CJ's numbers, even if he just, I, I think he's a great fit for the offense. Uh, I, I think he is the type of tight end that they like to have. He, he does have the speed and the ability to run up the seams, and they can. And there's just so many times he is going to be schemed against a linebacker or some kind of a third safety because of the 11 personnel that they're able to trot out there, that the opportunities are going to be there the same way they were there for Uzama. And you know, I, I think Hayden Hurst as a receiver is maybe a little more dynamic uh, than CJ was. CJ was more of a pro- of a well-rounded guy and gave you some of that stuff that you loved. But um, I'm, I'm really curious. I, I think he, those numbers could, could look pretty good. You know, 50 catches, I don't know. 700 yards, 600 yards. I mean, I think you could see a pretty decent a decent season uh from from him. So I'm going to I'm going to give I'm going to give him and then I'm going to go to I'm going to I'm going to go to Dax Hill because I think they'll find ways to to work him in. And Osai, you're right. Third down pass rusher, absolutely. And you can have a lot of impact that way. Maybe he does. Uh I I, I still just think in comparison to the other guys, you have Hendrickson, Hubbard, uh and the other guys already set there. Um, I think there'll be more opportunity for for Dax Hill, so I'll give him a slight edge, slight edge over over Joseph Osai. It's a good question. That was a good one, Mike. Uh, last one. Nick Shaner asks, run passer boot of this benchmark of these benchmarks: four thousand yard passer, one thousand yard receiver, one thousand yard rusher, 
How many of those will the Bengals have? Now, it should be noted, I altered this to make it what I felt was a little bit more of a, a tougher decision on all parts. Uh, he had different numbers here. They will have zero to two of those, three of those, or four or more. Jay, last year they had how many? Four? Four. Four. Uh, you had everybody but Tyler Boyd. Um, so what do you say? Yeah, I'm running with four again all day. There's just too much talent. And even if even if things go south and they're not winning games, they're still going to put up numbers. I mean, how many times do you see bad teams have a 1,000-yard receiver and a 1,000-yard rusher? I mean, just Mixon, Bengals had a bad year in 2018, and Mixon went over a 1,000 and led the AFC in rushing. I, I don't see – now, four is asking a lot. But I, I just I don't see Burrow failing to get to four thousand. Um, I, I don't see Mixon failing to get to a thousand. And shoot, I mean, it was Higgins and Chase last year. It could be all three this year. Um, they they don't have that that viable big threat fourth receiver yet. So yeah, I, I just I, I don't I, I say this with all the confidence in the world that I'll, I will run with four or more, and then. Because of that, I'll, I'll pass on three and I'll boot zero to two. I just I, I don't see there's there's any way things could go south, uh, barring injury and guys aren't playing a full season, um, where where they're not going to get more than two guys to cross that threshold. Well, that's what this is about, right? This is about health. Yeah. I mean, th- yeah. this is because I think if if they play, if you had all five guys played sixteen games, right? And took the week off in the last week again, you know, <laughs> so to speak, sixteen or seventeen games. Uh, you you would say four, maybe five. You'd say four. Four is almost a no brainer. Even if you have one of the receivers get hurt, it only increases the chance that the other two will get there. You know, if if T Higgins goes out in week three for the year, let me tell you something: Tyler Boyd's That'd getting a thousand yards, and Jamar Chase is getting a thousand yards. Uh, there's just it, it's. That's what it'll be. It can does Mixon stay healthy? I think is really the big one because I don't. It, it, Mixon has had injuries in the past. You know that he's he has fought through stuff and he's he's missed a lot of big portions of seasons. Can he stay healthy? If he stays healthy, four's the number. If he can't stay healthy, you know, and the same with Burrow. If Burrow can't stay healthy, if he takes a hit, some reason, you know, you never know. Obviously, that's part of this. I, Mixon is the one that you could see having the injury to really affect it that could make it that pull it down to three. I still am going to say there's still enough health there in him to play enough games to get him there. So I'll say four, uh, and I'll do I'll do the same. But I, I have a heavier lean towards three potentially being the answer because, you know, an injury, one injury to, to Burrow or Mixon um, would, would bring it down to three, I think. so. But, again – can't predict health, and so you can only go by what you know. And if those guys are out there, it's gonna you know it's gonna hum. Mm-hmm. There's very little doubt about that. All right, we have done enough, Jay. We, we we've done enough damage. We've talked about Gerardo, and uh, <laughs> and really too much. Really, really just too much about Gerardo. It became too much about that. Very excited about everything we have coming. For you, uh, we'll continue to go through these OTA and open locker rooms. every. We, they're every Tuesday, so we're going to keep dropping these Wednesday episodes on you as we kind of go through some of the new stuff that we get from the day before. And uh, and then it, once we, that ends June 14th 
is the last of those. Uh, and they'll be fully into the offseason at that point. Everyone will start taking vacations and disappearing until training camp. We then will start rolling out our offseason series again. Really, really excited about the stuff that we're going to be doing for you. I think you're going to uh, enjoy them and learn a lot. And uh, maybe get get working on Bengals, Broncos. Go, put that on your YouTube list. It's out there. The full game is out there from Monday Night Football 2014, Bengals, Broncos. So you can be ready when we uh, when we do eventually trot out that episode, too. A lot coming your way. Really excited about everything that's coming as we go forward. But for now, we're out of here. So we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.